it over to Dave now. Good morning. My name is Dave Aukerman. I'm speaking to you from our World Golf Village campus where I have the privilege of serving as the campus pastor. And the hot topic that we're going to be looking at this morning is the subject of the sanctity of human life. So before we open God's word together, let's spend just a moment in prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, author and giver of life, we come to you this morning and we ask that you would open our ears and our hearts to the truth of your word. Help us to see more and more who you are and who we are in light of your glory and your grace. Help us by your Holy Spirit to see Jesus Christ in all of his glory, fully God and fully man, who for us and for our salvation put on flesh and dwelt among us, who died and rose from the dead for our salvation. Holy Spirit, would you give the one who speaks grace, and through the one who speaks Let your word be an instrument of grace in the lives of those who hear. And we acknowledge all of it to be true truth revealed from you. Lord, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. The passage to which we're going to give our attention this morning is Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. And as I read this passage, let me just remind you again that this is God's word, inspired, inerrant, infallible, our only rule for faith and practice. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is God's word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Uh, Our oldest daughter, Madeline, is pregnant, and this month she'll give birth to our first grandchild. His name will be Hudson, a little boy. And these are some of the ultrasound uh, images uh, from Hudson within the womb. You see the progression of his life from early after his conception through his development to that beautiful picture that just shows in such detail his his face. It's amazing to see uh, with the technology that we have today, the, the detail of life within the womb. Later today, I'll be getting on a plane and I'll be flying from Florida to Greenville, South Carolina, and and all of our family is gathering together to celebrate my mother-in-law's 90th birthday. 90 years old. From the womb to the end of life, 
All life is to be celebrated, enjoyed, and is a gift from God. And yet, we're living in unbelievable times. We're living in unbelievable times where despite all the technology that enables us to peer even into the womb of a mother and see with such detail the preciousness of life, that life is still so often rejected. And we live in a time when, when people are willing without shame to, to say things like this in light of the impact of population growth, quote, we should, quote, embrace rather than fight aging and shrinking societies, unquote. Translation, let the aged go. Since the Dobbs versus Jackson decision, we're going to be overwhelmed in the coming weeks and months as we move towards our midterm elections here in this country. We're going to be overwhelmed by people who are going to say that the Dobbs versus Jackson decision is, is barbaric, anti-women, anti-science, and, and undemocratic. And this morning, I want to equip you to, to know what's true according to God's word about the sanctity and preciousness of, of all life from the womb all the way through to the end of life. I want to prepare you with truth to prepare for the tsunami that's coming. Now, here's what we're going to learn together. The point we're going to learn this morning is this. Man is made in the image of God, yet scarred by sin and in need of a Savior. Let's read that one more time. Man is made in the image of God, yet scarred by sin and in need of a Savior. That's the doctrine of man. That's the truth of what the Bible teaches about man. You know, the world has a doctrine of man. The world teaches in its doctrine of man that man is the product of accident, time plus matter plus chance. And the Bible teaches that man is a product of a loving, infinite, personal God who created all things and created man in his own image, male and female. The, the world has a doctrine of man. The world says that man is a danger to the planet. In the Bible's doctrine of man, man is a steward of the planet. The world has a doctrine of man. The world says that some human life should be ended because it fails to achieve some subjective standard of quality, such as the experience of, of Archie Batterson, a 12-year-old boy in England who was recently forcibly removed from life support against the desire of his parents. A 12-year-old boy forcibly removed by his doctors from life support against the desire of his parents. And the Bible says that man is made in the image of God and all human life is sacred and precious and never to be taken. Genesis 1 verse 26 begins, says, Then God said, Let us make 
man. And our doctrine of man begins with asking the question, well, what is man? Man is the Hebrew word Adam, and it means humankind. Let us make humankind. There's only one kind of human, humankind, and when does life begin? Life begins, as with all life, it begins at the moment of conception. Life begins with conception. This is the clear teaching of Scripture. How do we arrive at the truth that all of life begins at conception? Life begins at conception because the Bible, the standard of truth, teaches us that that's true. Psalm 139, for you formed me in my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Or Jeremiah 1, verses 4 and 5. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. When does life begin? Life begins in the womb at the moment of conception. The standard of truth, God's word, teaches us that clearly. Not only does God's word, the standard of truth, teach us that life begins at conception, the evidence of truth is that both biology and, and medicine and even social science teaches us the reality that the Bible teaches. Biology would teach us that life begins at the moment of conception. It, that's reality. Medicine, the father of medicine, Hippocrates, says this in his original oath, nor shall man's entreaty prevail upon me to administer poison to anyone, neither will I counsel any man to do so. Moreover, I will give no sort of medicine to any pregnant woman with a view to destroy the child. So science, medicine, and even social science the OG of the women's rights movement, Susan B. Anthony. Susan B. Anthony said, I deplore the horrible crime of child murder. Biology, medicine, social science all agree and follow reality that life within the womb is life. It begins at the moment of conception and it's precious. Human life is precious and unique. Why is it unique? Human life is unique because our truth moves on. Man is made in the image of God. Man is made. Let us make man in our image. 
Verse 26. Verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Throughout the book of Genesis, chapter 1, throughout the book, the first chapter of Genesis, you'll find God creating all things, filling, creating, and then filling the universe. God created all things, and he created all things after its kind. Ten times that phrase, after its kind, is described that God created the birds and the fish and the animals after their kinds to fill the earth. But when God comes to man, God breaks the mold. He doesn't make man after its kind. He makes man, male and female, after his own image. That man, male and female, is created uniquely by God, uniquely stamped as an image bearer of God. Notice also, notice also that image precedes work. Verse 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and then let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. If God had said, let us make man to rule, and then after our own image, then we could grade life. We could grade the importance of life on the work. But God doesn't start with the work. He starts with the image. He stamps all of human life with his image. Then work proceeds from image bearing so that God makes all life from the moment of conception all the way through. God makes all of life sacred, important, and precious. So man is made. Man is made in the image of God, but scarred by sin. You need to know that abortion, abortion is not the result of enlightened thinking. Abortion is not the result of enlightened humanity or science. Abortion is a result of the fall. Abortion is a descent into barbarism and brokenness. It's not a product of enlightenment. It's a product of sin. If man had fulfilled his responsibility as an image bearer to go to work in the world that God had placed man in, what would have happened as a natural result is that Adam and Eve would have filled the earth with image bearers, perfectly, beautifully reflecting the glory of God and accomplishing good in the good world that he had made. But Adam and Eve didn't continue in the state in which God had created them. They chose to rebel against God. Adam and Eve could have filled the world with good image bearers and the good earth that God had created, but they rebelled against God and chose to establish their own 
own kingdom, their own rule. And when they did, they and everyone who proceeds from them, which is all humanity, fell into sin and was stamped not only with the image of God, but also stamped with a fallen nature that resists God's will. And so it was in the first generation, Abel and Cain are born to Adam and Eve. And in the first generation, Abel turned from his sin and sought grace. But Cain, Cain was filled with pride, and in his pride, he murders his brother Abel. And it's been that way in every generation from Adam onward, each of us, born of woman, has been scarred by sin. What do we need? We need a savior. The core problem, the core problem of sin is that man has chosen self over God. Why is abortion demanded as a universal right by people? Why is, why is abortion demanded as a universal right by people? Because they want absolute autonomy. The sexual revolution leads into the abortion on demand rebellion. Without the sexual revolution, without abortion, the sexual revolution can't be sustained. And so man in his autonomy demands, demands to have full right and autonomy over everything. God says sex belongs in marriage and will naturally result in children. And man says, I'll have sex with who I want to. God says, all life is precious and begins at the moment of conception. And man says, if I don't want this life within me, I have the right over it and will deal with it as I choose. And all rebellion, all rebellion and all the autonomy of man resisting God's authority is sin. And the penalty for sin against God is death. And God and only God has the right to exact that penalty. But God in his grace has chosen to provide a way of escape, a savior for sinners like me. In Galatians 4, 4 and 5, God's word says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. What does it mean to redeem? To redeem is to purchase, to release someone or something through payment. To release someone or something through payment. What was the payment given in exchange for our soul? It was Jesus Christ. God on the cross took our sin and put it on Jesus and punished him in our place as our substitute. Jesus Christ paid the ransom price to set us free from the penalty for our sin, which is death. 
He died in our place. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, In him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Man is made in the image of God, and though we've turned aside from his ways and chosen to rebel against his commands and the penalty we deserve for that rebellion is death, God, through Jesus Christ, provides a way of escape, and through faith in Jesus... We can be redeemed. We can be saved. Have you chosen that way of escape? Acts 16, 31, they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. To believe in Jesus is as simple as ABC. To admit that we all have a problem called sin. To believe that the solution to that problem is a savior named Jesus Christ, who lived and died and rose again, and to commit our lives to him as Savior and Lord, and to ask him to come into our life and help us become the person he wants us to be. Have you ever done that? Won't you? Right where you're sitting today, you, you can tell God your desire to be forgiven, redeemed, and to follow his ways. Oh, what do we do? What do we do in light? What do we do in light of the truth we've learned this morning? That man is made in the image of God, yet scarred by sin and in need of a Savior. What do we do in light of the fact that we have a Creator God, infinite, loving, personal, who's made us in His own image and loves us? so much that he's willing to give his own son to save us. What do we do in light of that in the midst of our lost and broken culture? The action step for this week is to fill up with grace and truth. To fill up with grace and truth. To fill up with grace so that we can give grace away in love. Because grace covers sin. There's no person, there's no person who has sinned so badly that they're outside God's grace and God's ability to save them and change their life. There's no one who is beyond God's forgiveness. Many, many people. Maybe some of you in this room, many, many of you in this room have been devastated by the sin of abortion and the effects of your decisions. Fill up with grace. Fill up with the love of Jesus Christ. Grace is meant for the hurting. Grace is meant for the weak. Grace is meant for people who need it. And that's all of us. Grace is designed for people who are covered in shame. Fill up with grace and give grace away to people. Show people forgiveness and love. Listen, if you want them to learn that their image bears, created by God after his own image, scarred by sin and in need of a savior, if you want them to learn that, treat them that way. 
Treat them as if they're God's image bearers. Get to know the stories of people. Get to know the stories of people who are providing love, grace-filled love to others. People like folks in our church who have adopted an entire family of children who are wanted because all children are wanted by someone. Fill up with grace. Fill up with grace because only grace can protect your heart against anger. Recently, a young girl named Grace Hartsuk, 18 years old, was canvassing in a neighborhood in Kansas, canvassing in preparation for a referendum, uh, a pro-life referendum on on the ballot in the state of Kansas. She was canvassing in a neighborhood when she was attacked physically by a woman from within one of the homes that she knocked on the door to speak to them about the issue of pro-life. What can protect our hearts against the anger of the world? Grace. When you see Jesus Christ on the cross, hanging on the cross for you and for your sin. And the Bible says, as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. When you see the grace and love of Jesus for you on the cross, you will be more able to respond in grace and love to the anger of the world. So fill up with grace and give it away in love. Fill up with grace and fill up with truth. Fill up with truth. The Dobbs versus Jackson decision turned over uh, the authority for rules and legislation on abortion to each of the 50 states of our country. And so it's so important that we know and understand the particular laws of the state in which we live. And some of you live in more than one state. And so you have multiple states to know and understand. But in the state of Florida, On April 14th, 2022, Governor Ron DeSantis signed HB5, which was called Reducing Fetal and Infant Mortality Act. And the intention was to protect the lives of Florida's most vulnerable by prohibiting all abortions after 15 weeks in the mother's womb. Here was Ron DeSantis' comment when he signed the bill. House Bill 5 protects babies in the womb, babies in the womb, who have beating hearts, who can move, who can taste, who can see, and who can feel pain. Life is a sacred gift worthy of our protection, and I am proud to sign this great piece of legislation which represents the most significant protections for life in the state's modern history. You need to know that we live in a state where our governor has taken steps in response to our legislature's work to protect, as he's able, the life of a baby within the womb. And we should celebrate and be thankful for such legislation. But we should also know the barbaric legislation being passed in other states. We need to know the truth. We need to know the status of legislation in each 
state, in the country, because that is even more critical today than previous to the Dobbs versus Jackson decision. So to fill up with truth, we need to know the status of the laws in our state. Secondly, to fill up with truth, we need to speak truthfully. Truthfully, One of the tools of our enemy is to use deceptive and misleading language. Misleading language like rights, choice, women's health. We need to fill up with truth and choose to speak in ways that align with reality, that align with truth. For example, call a child in the womb what it is. It's a child. It's a baby. Rather than saying it's the life of an embryo or a fetus, say what it is. It's a child. Rather than considering a position pro-choice, call it what it is. It's pro-abortion. Rather than referring to yourself as a soon-to-be parent or an expectant mother or an expectant father, refer to yourself as a mother. Refer to yourself as a father of a baby. Before its birth and after, you're a mother, you're a father. And what lives within that womb is a child. Speak the truth. Fill up with with truth and use true language and true words. Finally, to fill up with truth, we have to learn to ask questions. Pastor, speaker, evangelist Randy Alcorn was on a radio show, and on that radio show, the host of the show was offended that he had used true language and called her pro-abortion rather than pro-choice. So Alcorn asked her, in response, asked her a question. To arrive at truth, many, many times we need to ask questions. So ask questions, fill up with truth, ask questions. Randy uh, Randy Alcorn asked her, well, why don't you want to be called pro-abortion? Is there something wrong with abortion? Two questions. She responded, abortion's tough. I mean, it's not like anybody really wants one. So Alcorn followed up again with a question. I, I I don't get it. What makes it tough? Why wouldn't someone want an abortion? She said, suddenly impassioned, well, you know, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to kill your baby. Alcorn describes the result. The second she said it, she caught herself. But it was too late. In an unguarded moment, she revealed what she knew, what everyone knows, if they'll only admit it. Is abortion is difficult for the same reason It's wrong because it kills a child. How did Alcorn get there? How did he arrive at the truth of what that woman really believed? By asking questions. Oh, dear people, fill up with grace. Fill up with the grace of Jesus. Show God's grace to hurting people. When people are devastated by their sin, show them grace. We don't ask questions to heap shame on people. We ask questions to arrive at the truth. And when the truth of our brokenness is revealed by the Spirit, 
Give grace. Fill up with grace and give grace. Fill up with truth. And as you're able, share the truth of what Scripture teaches. And what does Scripture teach? What have we learned this morning? That man is made in the image of God, yet scarred by sin and in need of a Savior. Fill up with the grace of our Lord Jesus and fill up with truth because the empire always strikes back. When I was a child, I went and saw the first Star Wars in the theater. The first Star Wars that was in the theaters, it ends with a great celebration when, when the rebels destroy the Death Star, when they destroy the Death Star and then they throw a huge party to celebrate and they give one another medals of commendation. But as, in, as is true of life, the empire strikes back. The second movie called The Empire Strikes Back opens on a frozen planet where the rebels are now not celebrating but hiding. Oh, dear people, now is not the time to hide. Now is the time to fill up with grace, fill up with truth. But know this, the empire will strike back. It'll happen in state after state, county after county. The empire will strike back, but be encouraged. Truth is on our side. Man is made in the image of God, yet scarred by sin and in need of a Savior. And that Savior is none other than God himself come in the form of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word that you made all things and you made man in your own image. That we are uniquely created. That we have the stamp of image bearing, the imago Dei stamped onto us. That all of life from conception through all of life is precious. Jesus, I pray. I pray that your grace would be sufficient today to draw men and women into a saving knowledge of you. Jesus, I pray for those who know you, that they would fill up with grace to be able to show love to our broken culture. And I pray for those that you're drawing even today, that they would, they would respond to your grace with with faith, with trust, that they would turn from sin and trust in you, Jesus. And, and, and if that's you this morning, if you've never trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord, won't you? Won't you say to him now, Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you. I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead. Come into my life as Savior and Lord. And help me become the person you want me to be. And Father, we admit that we live in a culture of death. And while we rejoice at the advances that have happened over these past months in, in the fight for truth and life, 
We pray that you would strengthen your church with truth and grace. Strengthen us so that we might stand for grace and truth in the midst of a culture of death. Lord, cover shame with grace and open minds for truth. For I pray in Jesus' name, amen.